Hello and welcome to Modestly Metaphysical, a podcast where I bring you various topics about spirituality, self-help, self-improvement, any and everything else that falls under those categories. I'm Kara, I'll be your host, and this episode is about self-sabotage. Let's get right into this episode. So, self-sabotage. What is it? And why do we do it? How do we stop it? So, what is it? It is a subconscious pattern that we believe works for us or is familiar to us. And we've conditioned ourselves to be a certain way because of trauma or um, just repetitive behaviors, how we were raised, whatever the case may be, Uh, even if these things don't necessarily progress us and are frustrating or even damaging, we still continue to do these things. And the hardest part is we know we do these things. Um, we don't necessarily know or give ourselves the time rather to think about where they come from. And some of the main forms that you could see this manifesting as is procrastination and sabotaging relationships. Those are the biggest. And it can even happen when you meet someone new and you think it's too good to be true. So you let yourself get jealous, you push them away. Um, and It could also be past experiences or any other blocks in your mind or heart that get in the way of establishing a true connection with someone, whether it be a um, romantic relationship or a friendship. And obviously, pushing people away is another example and a main form of self-sabotage. Not pushing yourself to succeed um, or succeed more, like staying comfortable, putting yourself down, uh, yo-yo dieting. And not doing the things that you want to do for yourself or that you know would make you successful. And addiction does not fall into this category for myself because that is just a different reward pathway in the brain. And it's more so think along the lines of habits that would benefit you overall and you're not following through with those things. Or habits that aren't, you know, it could even be if you are like a chronic cheater or something like that. Just things that you do that damage your life more than help them, but not necessarily in the same way as like physical addiction to something. Uh, When it comes to, so I kind of just want to break some of those down and talk about where those things come from. So when it comes to um, relationships, definitely with uh, doubting yourself or thinking they don't love you, feeling inadequate, being over-argumentative or defensive, and never being able to accept criticism when you're wrong in a connection, and maybe even getting bored when things are going good, you get the idea. A lot of this might come from just not being mature in this area in your life, not understanding that a relationship is two people coming together and making sure things are good on both ends and communicating what is and is not working. So, for example, 
Um, if you get mad at your partner for not doing something, make sure that you have expressed your feelings around this and told them your thoughts and how it would make you feel if you could have that thing happen a little bit more. But if you're getting upset with them for not doing something that you haven't brought up or for doing something that you haven't told them you don't like, you are being toxic and you are self-sabotaging in, in that way. It doesn't work like that. So something that I have learned just in the past few years is that common sense is not that common. It's pretty subjective depending on where you were raised, how you how you were raised, your um, beliefs, just literally your exposure as a child. Um, for me, I grew up in a very sheltered kind of home and I was very, you know, I was, I was kept at home a lot. And so my perspective on certain things were very narrow until I had moved out of my hometown. So another thing when it comes to wanting, like, for example, if you're getting bored in a relationship, the highs and lows of relationship are often interpreted as passionate when it's not. That is toxic. So when you find someone who is pretty stable and grounding, you may see it as boring because you have to sit with yourself and more than likely, if you have been in a string of toxic relationships, you're the one causing havoc because the piece feels unfamiliar or even scary. And it could even be because there's not enough drama for you to focus on. Essentially, they aren't distracting you enough from the other dissatisfaction in your life. And it's hard for you to sit with that. If you had shit going on that would make you happy, you would love a calm, peaceful relationship, something that brought you some grounding energy or something that could kind of just be a constant stability for you rather than, you know, that dramatic highs and lows, um, fighting, blocking each other, all this stupid shit that we have normalized. And a lot of these destructive behaviors are giving you a false sense of control. So when things explode and get crazy and it comes back down to normal, you can also mistake them reassuring you for that they still want to be there. Like, oh, if they didn't want me, they would leave after that argument and they wouldn't say they love me or they wouldn't have sex with me after. Like, no, it's just toxic. It's not supposed to work that way. You shouldn't have to go through this explosive episode for this person to validate you or for you to feel validated. It's that's I really want 2022 to be the end of that era. And I don't want that to be normalized anymore, especially on TikTok. There's a lot of young people who have access to that app and are seeing people just, you know, um, post about these toxic relationships and posting how people treat them. And it can be eye opening for the right-minded individual, but for someone who's young and vulnerable and doesn't necessarily understand, they may see it as a normalization. And I think it's up to us to really end that cycle because we're that, we being, I'm born in 1998. So anyone that's between like the ages of I would say probably 20 and 30 right now, it's really up to us to take control because we are probably next to Gen Z. We are the generation that is probably on social media and post 
posts on social media just as much. Um, that I feel like 30 and above, you're reaching into like that Facebook generation, that that's their main source. But we're very much in between of we have a little bit of everything and we're also on TikTok. We're also on Instagram. And so I think it's really important for us 20-somethings to make sure that we are also being an example and um, as much toxic and, you know, funny stuff there is out there. Zuko's having a dance party, sorry. We need to... One second. Thank you. Uh, We need to take control of that just so we don't repeat these patterns. And that's what people mean when they say we are generational um, curse breakers is that we have to change the pattern of these repetitive cycles that have cycled through. For example, if you are um, an anxious attached style, it's because of how your parents parented you. Maybe um, not always, but that could be the case. And so maybe they were the same way because that's how they were parented. And that's the cycle that they're talking about when it comes to generational generational curses because I feel like it's something that's tossed around a lot but no one really explained it to me until I just figured it out myself um so that is definitely um what that means and perpetuating those cycles and teaching them to the younger generation and (laughs) sorry (laughs) Zuko's having a party but and teaching them that it's okay is definitely not going to break those curses and yeah, we can akikiki akakaka on TikTok, but also knowing, um, being very sensitive to the fact that there are young eyes watching us at all times. So back to kind of what other situations come up. So in the situation, for example, where you're saying that you aren't good enough or pushing them away so they can prove they love you, that's just you and your self-fulfilling prophecy, whether they prove you right or wrong, you get what you're looking for either way. So if you say you're not for them and they leave, you fulfill the feeling inside of you of like, oh, I knew it. Um, I was, it validates you pushing them away because you're saying like, oh, I knew it. I knew that they didn't want me. Um, I knew that like I was right and they don't love me. I need to take this toy away. Zuko, come here. No squeaks, please. Come here. Just for a little bit. Thank you. He's obsessed with this Yoda toy. Anyways, so it, you you validate it by, you know, either way that situation works out. So same thing that if they um, don't leave and they stay, you are being validated because you're getting what you want and that they are, um, you know, staying and proving that they love you and you're validated and this also relates to kind of like your attachment style and the patterns that are familiar to you this can be from your um parental figures my nephew is facetiming me (laughs) but um this can be obviously from how you were parented or past relationships and you are just perpetuating what your past experiences have shown you And this is why shadow work and understanding yourself and your behaviors is so important. A lot of us look at where the other person went wrong, but 
uh, a lot of people rarely ask themselves where they could have been responsible for the outcome as well. Even if it was a situation where you were getting cheated on and you were not, um, you know, disloyal or doing anything, you, you never are the cause or the reason why someone cheats. Um, unless you cheated first, then that's obvious revenge. But in cases of how did I perpetuate this cycle for myself? What flags did I ignore? Uh, it's really hard to do that in those cases because we are so hurt. But it's really important to do because it helps you to stop that cycle. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. If you're not willing to look at and reflect on how you are also responsible, then you are missing out on a huge lesson. And if you're not willing to reflect, understand, communicate, and apologize when you are in the wrong and then change that behavior, you're just making excuses for yourself and saying like, oh, I act this way because my ex, and then you just keep acting that way instead of um, using that situation to make you realize that that's why you're acting that way and then changing that behavior, then you're just making excuses and you're no different than the person that cheats and just says some off the wall reason and then continues to do so. It's, you know, apology without change is just manipulation, no matter if you have good or bad intentions or if you're just refusing to look at why you're acting that way, it's still manipulation. And it's not fair to project how your last relationship or last friendship or how your parents affected you into a new relationship, a new connection. It's different if you do it and then realize it and then communicate it and let them know, apologize and change. But when you're just using it as an excuse to continue that cycle, it's not acceptable, like period. It's toxic. And another um, cycle that you may find yourself falling into is assuming the worst, like assuming that they're cheating on you before you have any proof, like you're just preparing yourself for that scenario. So it doesn't hurt as bad when you do go through it. Again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're protecting yourself for having to be from having to be vulnerable. So uh, thinking back to the first time you were truly open and vulnerable. And if you got hurt from that situation, you obviously want to avoid pain. So you do what you think is better to protect yourself. But all the potential pain that you could feel um, and avoiding that potential pain could also sometimes really give up the potential to be even happier. And at the end of the day, that's what the self-sabotage is, is just avoiding pain. And we avoid pain or discomfort at, by any means unless there's a greater drive to override that fear of the pain and even like something going back to a toxic partner can be avoiding being alone or avoiding regret and those could be huge pain points for you that stemmed from earlier in your life it doesn't necessarily have to go all the way back to childhood oftentimes it does but uh, it's painful but not as painful as the other option in that moment so like going back to your cheating ex is painful, but not as painful as being alone for you. And maybe you had emotionally distant parents. So that feeling of feeling alone is your damaged inner child looking for 
some comfort. And as a child, we don't know the long-term effects. We just focus on what feels good right then and there. So we would rather have a short-term gain and long-term pain instead of vice versa. And obviously that's not how we think about it in our head, but when we are able to step back and logically think about it, that's what we're doing when we when we perpetuate those subconscious or even conscious patterns. And if something doesn't override this urge to avoid pain, that's where these destructive patterns come in and they become a habit the more they repeat and the more they solidify. So how the fuck do we stop that shit? And it's not going to be the answer a lot of you guys want to hear. There is no magic pill. There's no magic prompt. There's no... You know, you have to do the work. And I'm going to say that right off right off the rip is that you are going to have to do some very deep work on yourself. So to break this down, we often will give us ourselves this story of, oh, there's like demons in my head. I have, I'm like, I'm fighting my inner monsters, but there is no fucking monsters or demons living inside of us that we need to fight. The monster is ourself, and it seems scary because we have repeatedly refused to understand it and only see the destructive and damaging repercussions of this misunderstanding within us, and it can be hard to relive some of those emotions, I know, and sometimes you're not always ready right off the bat to start healing something that you know. Um, This is, I'm talking about when it has become a cycle, not when it's just happened when some sort of trauma has happened and you see something going on. This is when it's something that is constantly repeating for you, whether it's, you know, all those examples I gave earlier, going back to a toxic ex, um, distancing yourself because you don't feel good enough, all that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. And the voices inside of your head are you, your ego, your soul, whatever, it's you. There's only one in your body and you play a trick on yourself by saying that the things you do are not yourself as a way to avoid accountability or reflection. People say like, God spoke to me, the devil spoke to me, but it's you. (laughs) And that's why um, sometimes religion can be toxic in that way is because those urges that people have, especially when it comes to sins air quotes for my podcast listeners, it's you. It's a part of you that you don't understand. And there's a complexity to us. And that is such a gift. A lot of our suffering is self-inflicted. And what I mean by this is that you may experience a trauma only once and then replay it in your life a thousand times by going back to those toxic patterns and not allowing yourself the space to heal and understand that hurt. And Now that you have to not, you don't have to immediately psychoanalyze a trauma, like I mentioned earlier, but if it's a repeating pattern that you're perpetuating and it's becoming damaging, you're the only one to blame. You're inflicting suffering upon yourself. I heard an analogy from Sadhguru. He speaks often. I love his stuff. And he said something along the lines of this. So if human intellect is a knife, it can be a very useful tool, but also a very painful weapon to ourselves. It is a gift to live with such a sharp mind, 
but we can also damage ourselves repeatedly when we don't learn how to hold it correctly and we hurt ourselves. And this is why they say ignorance is bliss. So to handle the intellect, we have to understand and read the user's manual. And to me, this means meditation, shadow work, journaling, therapy, and without understanding the tool, we can't use it to the best of its ability. And your man, your manual is not going to be the same as mine. So it's your responsibility. Your therapist can help you, but you have to show up and be ready to be honest with yourself. The simple treatment is recognizing patterns and understanding your behavior and where you are responsible in every, every positive or negative situation that happens. And just to think of a few more tips to start to handle, um, get a handle on self-sabotage is one, don't let your emotions control your behavior. Don't be impulsive or reactive. And that takes time to practice. It's a practice, but take your time and don't let your emotions stop you in your tracks. They are going to try to keep you comfortable and your inner self-limiting beliefs will always stop you. For example, when I first got into posting on social media, it was in my head I didn't want to because I was afraid of being judged or, you know, I was afraid to just try new things. And when I actually started posting, I felt so good. It it was it's fun. I make money from it and, you know, if I were to listen to the voices in my head saying like, "Oh, you're not you're not good enough, whatever. I would have never tried that. And I would have never been able to find like an awesome group of people that I have found through my podcast or through just posting on my fitness page. And it's, you know, we hold ourselves back and it's because of those emotions that kind of cloud our, our judgment and focus. And the second thing is don't be afraid to take risks. Sometimes we are too cautious so that nothing bad happens, but you grow from making mistakes. There is no failure, only lessons. So you have to get better, not bitter. And it would be the example of someone, you know, for example, if they were to invest into cryptocurrency and they lost a bunch of money, instead of looking at how they could have been smarter about their decisions and growing from it, maybe they just give up. And oftentimes we do that with stuff that we have as well of, Maybe we try to start a business and we don't we don't succeed or it kind of flops. What can we look at? What can we do better? Maybe my marketing wasn't on point. Maybe I didn't, you know, build enough hype or I didn't build a brand or a community first, you know, those types of things. And those are just stepping stones and no one is perfect right off the bat. And I think that we get that image because we see the finished product so often on social media. So don't be afraid to take risks. Three. Uh, being too dependent on an outcome, a specific outcome. And this is kind of links back to my episode about non-attachment. And you can go listen to that if you're not sure what I mean by that. But essentially, you get an image of how things are supposed to, air quotes, be. And you close yourself off to opportunity for something to be even better because you're too stuck or overwhelmed by the outcome and not so much how you want to feel. So use how you want to feel as your guidance instead of exactly how it's supposed to look. Uh, Focus on what you can do today to further align yourself with that goal or image instead of being paralyzed by making it seem like it's too much or being a perfectionist. 
and it'll unfold as you go. Small steps are still steps. Uh, For example, when you put someone on a pedestal and you see them as a certain thing and then they make a mistake and then you're just totally devastated by it, or even just, uh, you know, building an online business, it's that kind of thing. You can't exactly get exactly where you want to be. There's steps that you have to take along the way and you have to fall in love with the journey, not just the outcome. And uh, the last one that I have is just keeping yourself small. Uh, This relates to even self-limiting languages like I can't, I don't know how, I wish I could do that. You can fucking do it. You can fucking do anything you want to do. If you're passionate and you love it, find a way. Start small. Don't fucking settle. Don't live in an if and then reality. The journey is the beautiful part. So don't get caught in destination paralysis. I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy if I get this. Find the joy in it now. The small steps lead to huge progress and it can be that it can be as simple as that one hard conversation to open your heart up again. It could be leaving that job that makes you miserable. It could be starting a side hustle, making a YouTube. They seem like small feats, but they are so much more than that. And don't let people get in your head, including yourself. You have to believe that you're worth it. And it takes the inner work too. For example, like working out, you don't go to the gym once and then expect to see instant results. It's compounding results over time. You continue to go, you continue to make the effort. And then you look back in two years and you're like, how did I make all this progress? It's because you were consistent. You showed up and you had the drive. You can't just sit around and wait for things to happen. You have to take inspired action and do the things that you're wanting to do and you know, understand why you're constantly holding yourself back from starting that new habit or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, continuously going back to a toxic ex. You have to understand yourself to the point where you know where it stems from. You may not be able to take inspired action immediately, even after you understand it, but you'll start to put the pieces together and it'll start to unfold quicker than if you just live in your ignorance forever. So, self-sabotage is a bitch and I think we all suffer with self-sabotage in some extent some people it's more damaging um, some people it's just minor to where they it just kind of makes them feel a little bit shitty about themselves but all in all it's something that we all kind of battle with to our own degree but if you just sit around and wait for life to happen to you, it's not going to. You have to take inspired action. You have to start putting the pieces together because no one else is going to do it for you. No one is going to save you. And just like Sadhguru said, your mind is such a gift. Just being as intellectual as we are able to be, we can really do anything that we want to do. And just breaking it down into achievable goals, small things that you can do, 10-minute versions of what you want to do, and starting there. Anyone, if you haven't, should read the book Atomic Habits. It helped me a lot in setting up just small goals, um, like even just being more organized or, you know, just picking up more, you know, waking up earlier, reading a little bit more. And those small habits and routines will eventually build into bigger routines and habits. Maybe after I read, I work on my business for an hour. You know, it's it's all seems like it's unrelated, but it all comes together. 
And I think starting with your routines and habits has got to be the first place and understanding yourself and why you do the things you do and why it's validating for you, um, what you're actually afraid of. You're not afraid to be without this specific person. You're afraid to feel this specific way. And obviously this is a case by case. There's a million examples I could use, but altogether it's you holding yourself back because you're afraid of something and you're afraid of the pain of something being greater than the outcome of something that you're not familiar with. And that's all it really boils down to. Um, I don't know. Self-sabotage is crazy, but it's something that you have to take control. You have to take responsibility and be willing to do the work. And self-improvement isn't easy. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's not waking up at 5 a.m., making a cup of coffee, reading your book, and being a great person. It is hard and ugly, and you have to realize what you suck at and where your toxic patterns are. And even if you have the greatest intentions, you have probably hurt someone in your life and learning from that. And even if you haven't hurt someone, someone has probably hurt you and learning from that and learning where maybe you didn't set good enough boundaries with someone or you let some stuff slide that you shouldn't have let slide. It's all in our control. As much as some, some things are, you know, out of our control as deaths and people passing and someone else cheating is not in our control. But what is in our control is how we react to those situations and how we let it not stop us, but help us grow and never being bitter about how things work out because nothing is usually personal. When someone hurts us, they're hurting. And not that that excuses what they do, but it's not personal. And when you're able to see it in that light, it does help you just open up to a world of feeling a little more accepted and loved. So you just need to get out of your own way. You have to be the one to do it for yourself because no one's going to do it for you. And you have to be the one that points those things out for yourself because when other people point them out, we don't listen anyways. You have to be the one willing to make the change and it is in your control, and it, it might feel overwhelming, but break it down to small steps. It can be one realization at a time. There's no rush. Um, you'll feel so much better in the end if you start to do things that fulfill you instead of making you miserable. And some of you may not be ready for that journey yet, and that's okay. But those who are, and those who aren't, you are loved, you are capable, you can do anything that you set your mind to, and I hope that you find the happiness that you're looking for, and I'm with you, and I love you, and I wish you nothing but the best, and thank you so, so much for listening and supporting me. There's always more to come.